Hey, it's BT Patels from Gemini. My guest today is Wyatt Lutz. He may not be a household name now, but man, after this, I think you, I think he will be. I mean, you can't help but like this guy. He's grateful for everything he has, and he's just he's killing the comedy game the way you should with enthusiasm, with vigor, and he's just, you're you're just gonna love the guy. I, I'm, I'm I've talked too much. Wyatt Lutz, enjoy. Oh shit. I got the hottest dude in comedy with me right now. This motherfucker is muy caliente. El gringo muy caliente. One, <laughs> two, three. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I got the hottest man in comedy here on my show, Tales from a Gemini. I got the pride of West Milton, Ohio, with the biggest left nut in his younger year. <laughs> I got Mr. Wyatt Lutz. What's up, YY? What's going on, BT? Man, let me tell you something. I know there's a lot of people out there in comedy and every place has their... But I just feel like you're the hottest dude commodity in comedy. Maybe because I know you, but it's like you're always working. It's like every time you post something, it's like it gets better and better and better. And you've only been in the game, what, four years? And already you're in Austin testing the waters out there. You've opened up for the hottest dudes in the game. I mean, what is it about you, why? And you're blacker than me, why? I mean, <laughs> you open up for black acts. They love you. Black chicks love you. Didn't you like, get like 20,000 black girl followers on TikTok? Yeah. I mean, look at that. And he just says, yeah, like, yeah, that's what I do. It's got to be the most. I don't fucking know. I don't know the recipe behind it. It just works. It tastes good. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't know what you mean. I can't get any followers, man. I, I, I try and I try nothing. You know, like good, you know, good comics. They show me how girls like uh, show pictures of their breast or whatever or send them like to a DM. They look at this. I get nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. And meanwhile, you're over there. Just black girls throwing themselves at him. I mean, seriously, black girls love this dude. I mean, he was at Dave Chappelle's party, a private party. He's doing comedy. Yeah, Donnell Rollins, they're like this. I mean, he's, 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 the, he's the toast of the town. He's the toast of Ohio. It goes Dave Chappelle, the Bengals, and then this motherfucker right here. And he's got, and he's got a mullet. And he's got a mullet. What is it? Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> it's magic. What <laughs> is it about you, man? What is it about you now that's got that, that, that kind of like that, yeah, that magic you have about you now? Oh, man, I just, I, I don't know. I just. I just try to my best to be myself and be a good person, man. And just, it works and people like me and I, I'm humbled by it. it. I don't, I don't know. I've always questioned it and I've just stopped questioning it now and just started accepting it and just, I'm going to let it take me wherever it takes me. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, you're riding the wave, which is great. I mean, all jokes aside, man, it's like for what, four years in the game? Is it four yeah. years? For four years in the game, man, you so are so well ahead of the curve. But almost, it's like everything else in life. It's like now that we have the tools of like, you know, YouTube and everything else and everything. I mean, it's like you hit the ground running now, I think, more when you're a comic than it was in days before. I mean, would you agree with that or disagree? No, I, I mean, well, I don't really have the the knowledge of, you know, the pre-comedy game of how it was before my time. But now, like, I mean, I know the stories that you got to grind it out. You got to earn what you get. And that's why I put down the miles in my car to drive anywhere that I'm getting booked, you know, up to eight, eight hours. I, we just drove 17 hours to come here to Austin, you know. Wow. Okay. So now you're in Austin. You're, you're, you're with so much uh, kind of the big boys. And now you think Austin is like the new L.A., New York? Like that's where the hip, like the hip comedians are going to prove themselves? Absolutely. I'm. Um, we're here with a buddy of mine, Brian Swinehart, and he's from out in L.A., the comedy store and shit. And I mean, just being him with here with him, he is ran into so many people he knows from the comedy store that are that are just here now. And like performing at these clubs and they all say like they're done with L.A. Like this is the spot. And it's so beautiful listening to all these people down here saying whatever the hell they want because the phones are locked up. Like in Rogan's club, your phones get locked up and it's just I mean, you're hearing some shit and it's funny. I mean, it is it's so relieving to hear people laugh at some of this stuff that they're joking about and talking about in this club. And this is inspiring to branch off other clubs here. There's like three different levels of comedy here with like the actual clubs you get booked in. Yeah. And then there's the open mic scene. 
And then there's like the kill Tony scene, you know? Wow. Okay. So like, now have you done, you did Rogan's club, right? I did. Yeah. What was that like? What was that like? Incredible. I, it's um, so I'll just from the rip. So um, at like five 30, they put um, a list out and everybody lines up and you start signing up for the mothership open mic. You get three minutes and uh, they randomly select 15 or 16 people. And then at 6.30, that list comes out and gets posted on the wall. And if you're on that list, then you go into Mitzi's bar, um, which is downstairs, which is beautiful. They have like a reserved little um, booth with a giant picture of Mitzi in there looking beautiful. I mean, it's real cool. Then they have the neon. It says Mitzi's room. Um, one of the door guys comes in, announces, you know, you're in the best fucking comedy club in the world, you know, give it up, lighten the energy. It was so cool. And, uh, we got in order there in the room and then single file line walked up to, uh, it, we were in a uh, little boy. So it was a little room intimate. I mean, hundred people packed tight and, uh, we get up there. It's a there's the system in the back of the room. There's a green neon star, and that's your light. And right next to that is a time clock. So it's counting. It starts when you start talking. So we had three minutes. So our light came on at two minutes, and which is is nice for the younger comics that like if they're going to be a dickhead and run the light, like it's obvious you you know your time. Like yeah, you know. But it was just everything in that room was set up incredible. I mean, the feel of it, it's a low stage, low ceiling. Low ceilings are the best for comedy. Low ceilings are the best for for some reason. I think it's I think it's because it feels like it's at more intimate. I think the sound is down here where instead of like, you know, a high ceiling kind of, I don't know, echoes, but it just low ceilings are the best. It's like being in a living room. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was told is. They actually finished that room and then Louis C.K. came in and was like, no, you need to change this, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And it postponed the room like two months and a couple extra thousand dollars. But it came out right. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, I remember when, when Rogan said that because I watched the episode with him and C.K. And I think after that podcast, Louis took him in there because there's to me, there's no better person to just Louis's knowledge I mean I I guess the greats always have the best knowledge I mean where you you know you're splitting hairs between CK Chris Rock Burb Chappelle but for some reason I just gotta go with CK when it comes to that you know like his his eye for just those little things you know what I mean what makes it great or just he he never misses the mark and if he does it's by very little yeah you know So hey, did so so did you see Rogan? No, um, we didn't see Rogan. We bought tickets to Tony Hinchcliffe and Friends, which yeah. was in um, Fat Man, which is a dope room. It's like a, it's almost like a theater room, man. And they pack this thing tight. I like it's a server's nightmare in that place. Yeah. Like you are in people's lap, going through aisles, and I mean it, it's cool though. It's great. The stage, you've seen pictures of it, I'm sure, with like the UFO looking thing all lit up. But it was uh, uh, Derek Posner, is that his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. He was incredible. Assad Ahmad, he was the first one. Incredible. Sarah Tatiani, she was there. Um, a guy, William Montgomery, crushed. Yeah. Tony killed it. He did 50 minutes and murdered. And then um, Brian Holtzman came out afterwards and did like 45 minutes too. Holy shit. Man, to do 45 minutes after those fucking killers. Yeah. Were you intimidated a little bit? As in what? We're just like we're going up. I mean, going up down there, it seems like it's almost like when I first went to LA, was at the improv in LA. It's like, oh shit, it's the big time. I mean, did any of that hit you at all? Or are you just like, hey, you know, here we go? Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, you know, the nerves of like, do your, be on your best, you know, and, but I don't know. I I feel like I I thrive in them situations because I've noticed whenever I didn't have them feelings is when I've done my worst. When I went in confident and cocky and saying, oh, I'm going to murder this crowd. I ate shit. (laughs) 
So now I always embrace them nerves that yeah. it means I'm self-aware and I, I want to have a good set, you know, and I'm going to be on, trying to be on my game. So how'd you say go? How'd you say go? Uh, great. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like brag on myself, but it was really fucking great, man. It, it, I tore it up. I was like the first one of the lineup to like tear the room up and it was cool. Did you, did you use your uh, line about uh, you, you uh, stormed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, what a great way to start your set off. It sets the it sets the tone, you know? Yeah. It's like that overhand right, like, bam. Like, oh, <laughs> shit, we're in the fight now. You know? Yeah. I, I love yeah. it. Oh, man, great for you, buddy. Great. Yeah. How, how, how long are you down there for? How long are you down there for? Uh, we got here on Saturday, and we're leaving on Saturday. So we've been here five days, four days now, I think, five days. Are you couch surfing? Yeah, no, we, we rented a, an Airbnb. We, we had an Airbnb. The reason we planned this trip is because one of the guys had a free Airbnb for us and yeah. um, we all planned it. you know, it was going to be a cheap trip, blah, blah, blah. Well, this, these people fell through the night before and oh. we had to get it. We found an Airbnb and it was less than hundred dollars a day for eight, eight days. It was seven fifty. slept six people. It's not bad. It was a hundred you know, less than $150 a piece for everybody. And, uh, it's it in 10 minutes from downtown. The other place was 45 minutes from downtown. So, I mean, we really lucked out in this place and, uh, we've ate great food, man. Great Mexican food down here and good food truck food, beautiful women everywhere. I mean, You're living it's the life, bro. You live in the life, bro. I mean, you can just see it. You can just feel it in your tone. I mean, it's like, I think it's the happiest I've seen you. And I've seen you all, you're always happy, but I just feel like it's almost a new you. It's like those people that like, you know, like, hey man, I found the Lord. You go, wow, you seem happy. I thought you seem like, it's like you found your place, man. I mean, yeah. you can't wipe that smile off your, it's like you're in love. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place, especially coming from a smaller scene and seeing this and how good every, everybody treats everybody good. All the comics are, are nice to everybody, you know? I mean, there's obviously your, typical you're going to have dickheads that think they're better than you but i mean everybody's been great it's cool but in my opinion it's not something i would want to move down here really why is that and why is that i feel like i would be losing opportunities because of how much opportunity i get back home to where this is somewhere i just probably i want to visit quarterly like four times a year and kind of still be able to establish a little name for myself down here but still be able to work the road back home and get like my dates. Cause it, like, I'm the, like, I'm so booked lately that like my open mics kind of have been nice club shows to where if I have something new, I want to try, I'm trying it in the best possible spot. I can try it in, in a real packed comedy room, you know? Right. So I, I'm, I look at it as it's quantity or yeah, it's quantity down here, but I have quality up there. Oh, look at you speaking like a pro. This motherfucker. There, you know what he talks? He talks like a veteran. I mean, you really do, man. But it's like, it's cool you say that, but it's like, uh, like here's the thing about it. I think it's great that they have a new, like I said, it's the new hot spot. I mean, and, but, but then again, no, Austin's always kind of had that scene and been known for Austin, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, those are the two places I always kind of knew. I, I I guess maybe Houston, but Houston's kind of like on an island. It's in the middle of nowhere in a way, so to speak. So it's like I kind of feel like it's great, but, I mean, that's just strictly stand-up. And if you want more, maybe you have to leave Austin. I mean, but then again, what is your overall goal? I mean, do you want to be like a great stand-up and work the road, or do you want to establish yourself in one location and kind of have things come to you? How do you want that to happen? No, I definitely want to work the road. I want to see the, you know, the world, the country, the wherever it takes me, the country, the world. I mean, you know, if I end up going internationally at some point, that'd be beautiful. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care about being some huge giant heaven heart star or something. You, you, know, won't, I just wanna, you won't be, you won't be, be, you won't be, you won't be, you won't be, you know, you, do what I love. You won't be that big. Trust me. You yeah. Won't be yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I get that. Trust me. But like, that's not that. the goal either. Like, I don't want that superstar status ever. I feel like you lose your life. I mean, you gain a lot of things, but you lose your actual life. 
But then again, how do we know, though? I mean, we don't know. I mean, because it be, for us from the outside looking in, it looks like they do. But when you, maybe when you reach that level, then maybe the, everything does seem kind of like normal to them. I mean, because like I said, we don't know. That's why sometimes it's hard to when somebody's, you know, has a lot of money and they're moving like a Kevin Hart or like a billboard or, or whatever, the big guys. And we yeah. think, oh, man, I, I never could be that way. Because blah, blah, blah. But to them, maybe when you reach a different level, it's like a different level in life. You know, it's like when you start off in eighth grade and you're going out with a girl, your first girlfriend, well, you know, she's going to be whatever, whatever you think she's good looking. But then, you know, maybe you get a little money, you get, you know, maybe you cut your mullet or whatever. And then all of a sudden you get a higher graded girl. And next thing you know, you're going out with Beyonce. So you don't know that. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. honestly, so you reach different levels and that's going to seem your normal. Like the different, your, your, your next level in life might be your new normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because you're, I mean, because you're, you're uh, not. Now I'm not disrespecting you at all, but I'm just saying, are you kind of like strong feature headlining until the big name act comes in right now, or like maybe one nighters definitely headlining, and then at the established clubs, maybe at Improv or the Funny Bones, you're you'll feature or headline the night that before the big name comes in. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be cool. I mean, I'd love a weekend, you know, at a big like a, a big club like that. Eventually, that'd be a great goal to be able to fill a, a year of weekends at uh, big clubs all around. But I, I take I take what I get. I'm not a greedy person. Like, I know this is a process and I, I don't want to, like, rush anything. Me and Vince are doing a co-headlining gig at uh, Crackers and um, in Indianapolis. Yeah, in August, and it'll be my first club headlining weekend because he's letting me close it out because Ruth Ann wants me to headline. But, like, in my mind, like, I know I'm funny, but I don't have the 45 minutes of, like, good funny. Like, I could fill the time, but I couldn't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel as confident in headlining it yet. But I mean, I got Vince in my ear. Well, are you going to be ready when you're ready? Like, when do you, when are you going to know that you're ready? You got to do it. You just got to do it, man. I mean, think about it. It's like, it's almost like being president. You know what I mean? Seriously, it's like, you know, nothing. Jimmy Carter said it best. Nothing prepares you for that job. Nothing. You can be class president. You can be president of your PTA, of your HOA. But when you become the president of the United States, nothing prepares you for that job. And that's how it is in comedy sometimes. You go, man, one fact. Because, you know, the first time you, uh, like, you do that 15 when you're opening. Oh, God. Okay, I did 15. Well, I almost went over. Okay. And you're ready for the feature act. And then it's like, you know, you get your watch. Oh, man, I'm at 25. And all of a sudden, then it's like, really? I, I did 30? And that's what it's like when you're headlining. Man, pretty soon this it's gonna be it's gonna come second nature to you. You know what yeah. I mean? And you want to keep hitting those, like I said, hitting those goals, those marks. Now, now, what's your next goal? Do you want to be on TV? I mean, as far as like stand up, you want to get a TV spot, a late night spot, or or uh, maybe you know get a, a dry bar comedy special? What do you want to do? Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. I, I, I'd like that. Um, anything you know to get my name out there more is going to be uh, wonderful. On that, I, right before we're doing this, I was on a Zoom call with some guys. It's like a, a weed company in Michigan. They're pretty big up there. And it's a blue collar weed company. And they're having me be a sponsor. Oh, my <laughs> God. He's already four years ago. He's a sponsor. I've been doing this for three years. I can't get one goddamn sponsor. You would think a racing company or something. And this motherfucker gets a sponsorship already. I got to get a mullet. I got to get a mullet. It's actually a drag racing like video. It's That's what it's about. <laughs> I'm happy for you, brother. Honestly, could happen to a better person, man. You work hard and, and you're getting rewarded. So good for you on that. I mean that. Thank you, you know? very much. You know what you're like? You're like the um you're like you're like the alt version of Matt Rife. <laughs> <laughs> you're the alt Matt, Matt Rife. Boy, man, that's a good dude. He's getting a lot of shit right now. Hey man, Matt. you know what? Fuck everybody. Seriously, because I'm so sick of comics. See, let me tell you something, and I mean this from about as much I love, I still love the game as much and maybe even more than, you know, when I first started. I, I still love it. I still have a, a, a passion for it. And what, but what makes me mad is when people talk shit about other comics, because those comics, I don't care what you say, if you stick with a comic long enough or you listen to them talk and podcasts reveal the real person, if you really listen to a podcast and read between the lines, you can tell what a person's all about. And comics who bitch about other comics, first of all, that there's a lot of jealousy there. And sometimes it's age, maybe somebody it's younger or whatever. And they, I understand that when you're younger, it's a little, a little bit backstabbing, whatever. But 
There's things they're not doing to get them to another level that we, we don't see. But if you really listen to them, you you realize they're not doing what it takes. And and I don't know, Matt, but I, I'm any comic, I don't care if I don't like them personally. I want to see them succeed. Cause I just feel like it helps the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So good for that. I, so good so for him. I opened for Matt like last year. It was a one nighter. It was two different comics, uh, Liberty Funny Bone. It was like Mary Santora first show, Matt Rive's second show. I featured both shows. And me and Matt hit it off good, you know, friends. And then uh, he came to Wiley's recently. We got him on a one-nighter. And, I mean, Chappelle bought the building Wiley's is in. And from what we heard, he kind of wanted to see Matt or his team to see Matt. So Matt came in and did, you know, a one-nighter. And it was dope. Matt was great to everybody, super nice guy. And then we ended up at Dave's that night hanging out at his like little party area and we're just chilling. Me and Matt's just chilling there and, you know, just never, he's one of the guys and he was leaving and he came up and gave me a hug and was like, Hey man, I got a date in Cincinnati at the funny bone in August. If you wanted it's yours. And I was like, yeah, like, fuck. Yeah. So he, he's a nice dude. And it pisses me off. Like seeing pe- so many people talk shit about him because it's like you said, it's jealousy, man. That's all it is. Dude started when he was 15. Fuck him, man. I mean, seriously, don't. I mean, when I see when I see that, because I, I, I was like, when did this happen? All this hate? Because I mean, it was like, I literally like, you know, I always do drive-bys on Facebook and see whose birthday it is. And boom, and I'm, I'm in and I'm out. But I was like, what's all this hate? And I couldn't even read it because I was just so, I, I was disgusted because I don't know the guy. Like I said, I don't really care. I'm just glad it's successful. I'm, I hope yep. anybody in this business is successful. People I don't like as people, but I want them to see as comics. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. I really do. I want everybody to eat. I think this is a, it, the great thing about this business. The arts is that somebody has that little thing that everybody gravitates to so good for them and great for him but man yeah the hell with the haters man good for him yeah. i just want i just want to know how did you get invited to Chappelle's house you son of a bitch how did that happen well it's not his house it's, it's like a you know what i mean yeah you know yeah. what it's, i mean it's a party shack but it's just man i've just been around the right people that's all my career's been i've just been right place right time around the right people and I'm likable. They like me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't your mom date some dude from Zap or no uh, Lakeside? Right? Yeah. Still dating him. Yeah. The the, the bassist. The l- lead guitarist. He started now, the band. Yeah. And now I, I don't want to call your mom out, but is he black? Is he black? Yes, he's black. Okay, you never know. You never know. And if he did, hey man, good for your mama. Good for your mama. Good for your mama. It's great. It's one of us on our side. I think I think it's great. She she crossed over, so I think it's great. I think it's great. Steven's so a great dude, man. He's 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 great, and he's inspiring too. Being that close to my life because he's in entertainment, and he's never had a real job in his life since fifteen. He's been a musician, and he's like sixty five. So I mean, that's that's just that's inc- that's inspiring. And he came from Dayton, you know, where I'm from, like this area. It's it's inspiring. To, I, I have so many cool people in my life that like I respect you and Vince and. You know, it, it, it's I'm so blessed with whoever's in my life. And it seems so surreal sometimes. And that goes back to like earlier. I've just started accepting it like it's meant to be some for some reason. All this shit's meant to happen to me. Of course. The, and now I hate your success. I'm going to start posting stuff on my Facebook. Like, you know, who the fuck is this Wyatt Lutz dude? I mean, yeah, like, what's up to the side? Fuck Wyatt Lutz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck Lutz. How about that? We'll do that. Yeah. No, Luck Futz. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Luck yeah. Futz. Man, that's what you should do. You should get a bumper sticker that said Luck Futz. You should. <laughs> and then that way, yeah, yeah. and do like, be the anti you. Kind of do like how Brian Bosworth did when people hated him and he sold those t shirts in Denver. And it was basically, it was him selling his own t shirts, how much they hated Brian Bosworth. And <laughs> brilliant and that's what you do man you work yep. the other side that's what you do you yep. sell t-shirts now you do any merchandise oh yeah that's changed the game for me that's made me be able to i'm full-time comedy now i'm not working fedex no more i'm i'm full-time comedy because of selling merch no <laughs> like, more fedex yeah no more I'm, since january man i've been full-time comedy wouldn't it be great if FedEx actually delivered your 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 uh, t- t-shirts sure. to you? Wouldn't it be yeah. great? It's like, oh wow, I used to work for you guys. You know, sign here. Yeah. Wow, I know what to do. How great would that be? Or just do Amazon, just to be a dick. Have Amazon yeah. deliver your t-shirts. You know. <laughs> Man. Okay. You're killing it, you're killing it brother. You are I, fucking killing it. It's. It's awesome. It's it's really cool. I never would have guessed five years ago I'd be sitting in this spot. You know. 
It's, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't either. Cause I saw your first open mic thing on your YouTube channel, and I, well, I'm like, well, no, it was a lot better. A lot better than I would have done. I, I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was your typical. You know, it was kind of cool to see. It was your typical first time up. And you can see you kind of walking through it. And I thought that was great. Like I tell everybody, everybody's learning curve is different. And the fact that after that, you saw it and you say, okay, and you just kept going up. And that's the best thing to do. I think the best thing personally, I, I think is, and I know it's different now. You have to bring people, whatever, but to go up, bomb, but keep going back. And that's when mm-hmm. you really want to do it. You know what I mean? I think the worst thing to do is have a great set your first time up. Yeah. You know? You know, that way, because it makes you really want to do it. Like, you know what? I can do this. And you just keep going. You grind and you grind, you know? Yeah. So I know I know some of your influences were always like, you know, like the like Dane Cook and uh, others during that time. I know, you you know, but what since you've been working, you've worked, like I said, some of the greats. I mean, you work with that guy, Tori. You work with my, you know, my boy, Vince, who Vince is still one of the most. God, I mean, honestly, I'm not. I'm I'm putting friendship aside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat him, I'm gonna treat him like I'm you know a, a friends aside. He's still one of the most dynamic performers there, as far as like just taking it and going with an open mind and just going up and pam 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 pam. He's not afraid of the silence, and yeah. it's it's like he's gonna win that fight. If it's a street fight, he's gonna win it. And he might not even take a shot. He might take a, maybe a glancing blow, but he's going to come back with some shit. That, I mean, seriously, and I think that's why to this day, man, when you mention his name, people go, oh, yeah. Like, if you yeah. go, I'm, I'm on the show with Vince Warren, they go, okay, yeah. And, I'm, and that's friendship aside. If he was my friend, he was suck, he sucked. I go, man, this is my boy Vince, and I'll leave it at that. But I'm yeah. just saying, he's still one of the best. Who's one of the best that you've seen, that you've worked with, that maybe that's not a household name, that you went, wow, that blew you I'm- away? I'm telling I've just featured for a guy at Wiley's. I'm sure you know him. New York guy. His name's Aaron Berg. Uh, yeah, yeah, might, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks he, like he's, poor little Joe Rogan. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, dude, as soon as he got on stage, he had him laughing until he walked off stage. Like, And it was all crowd work, and it was beautiful. I have a video. I'll send you. It was the second show. It was Saturday night. He had this there was a couple in the front row, a guy and a wife. He had her so mad within the first two minutes. She's like this, the whole show sitting there purposely, not smiling, not laughing. And he keeps hitting it and keeps hitting it and saying like, buddy, you're going to have a rough night home and like going on and on. He's like, okay guys, I'm Aaron Berg. I'm videotaping. Go to her. Her husband puts his hand on her and like shakes her and she just does not move. It's just (laughs) straightforward. It is so hilarious. That is the great thing about comedy is that, and I think it's because it's the spoken word because the spoken word hits harder than anything. Like with music, you know, there's music that talks about, you know, basically pedophilia, basically, you know, underage, having sex with underage girls and no one says shit about it because you got a melody to it. But with, yeah. with, but with the spoken word, it just hits you right between the nose. And that's the sign of it's funny because it'll make you laugh. You go, I don't agree with this guy. I kind of hate him, but you know what? That was good. Yeah. And, I, and the yeah. fact that she stayed like that for the entire show. Oh, no, dude, it was it was ridiculous. But he was just so incredible and so fast and so witty. It was I mean, it was like watching. You know, it was another version of it was like a white vent. I mean, it was, <laughs> please, please. I don't know how else to put it. Like it was the world doesn't need that. The world doesn't need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No shit. That kind of confidence in a white dude. <laughs> God, I love traveling with Vince, man. But that that motherfucker, he is something else, man. Oh my, man, let me tell you something. There's, I think this it's one dude. I'm sure he's gonna see this. But man, that was one guy. We worked in a, it was a, I worked a different cruise ship. But Vince worked the same ship before, whatever. And this guy goes, man. So this one comic, he got he was so full of himself. What was his name? And I don't know how, but I go, Vince Morris. He goes, yes. <laughs> the guy goes. He was so full of himself. He goes, I can't think of his name. He's a black guy, bald head, Vince Morris. Yeah. yeah. And then the way he goes, yeah, like, it wasn't like he goes, I think. He goes, yeah. He was so emphatic about the end. And I laughed. And I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, the great thing about Vince now is we, we both know it. So, you know. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> we'll be like, leaving a show or something. And I'll be driving sober and he'll be hammered. And he makes me play Scarface like <laughs> three times in a row before I'm ever allowed to leave the parking lot. 
he just, oh, I didn't hear the last time. Can you play it again? And it's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, we bicker like a married couple on the fucking road. Oh, uh, no, but he's the best though, man. I mean, really, I mean, when we were at the group, or that group, and I, it, it, I don't care if it sounds cocky, but it was when it was me, Vince, Billy D. Washington, Lewis Johnson Jr. I really think for maybe a, that first six or seven years with doing that, doing that, how we did it, I just think it was something that people never saw before the way we did it. I mean, because it was four African American comics who were, and this is, and people look at it the bad way way I say it. I don't mean it this way, but you know, we weren't, we weren't hood, we weren't ghetto, we were just who we were, and we never, and neither. All, all four of us, we never talked about the same subjects. And what we did, I just really think we had a little space in like, I think comedy history because not everybody saw us. But man, what we did, I thought was just special. And watching Vince work and Billy, I think Vince and Billy, all four of us, and this is me talking, Vince, Billy, watching those two, that that was brilliant comedy. And I'm talking, I mean, you got to watch Billy D. Washington, another brilliant comic. I mean, he's brave. That word gets thrown around, but he's brilliant. And watching Vince and Billy together, what they did, my God, bro. I mean, it was that was a great night of comedy. If I say so myself, I don't care if a cat sounds cocky or not. Those guys are at the top of their game. I just showed the boys I'm with last night the video of you guys. I sent you. We're talking about uh, the the black NASCAR driver. <laughs> You're like he got pulled over twice. <laughs> you said, "Bro, this is a race." <laughs> Man, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, that was those are some of the best times I think ever <laughs> doing comedy. I mean, I love. There's always those little moments, like you know, like. The, the one you're in now is great. That's why I love, I like, I, I love talking to you now because you get that enthusiasm. It's not that enthusiasm where if kind of you're a veteran, it kind of like, okay, kid, I get it. It's like cool to see you going through this and getting all the work. And I love that. But have you, have you, have you reached that stretch though of bad shows or you've had maybe two bad shows in a row where you went, huh? Oh yeah, that's definitely happened. When, 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 when was that? Um, I mean, we had uh, uh, me and Vince went to the caravan uh, last year in Louisville, <laughs> and it was like there was a big like louder than life concert in town or something, and like Kiss was there and Foo Fighters and yeah. Slipknot, all these people, and we had like seven people in the crowd, and it was just very humbling. And it, that whole weekend was humbling just because it was such low crowds because of this big concert in town. It really pulled from us. And uh, I learned a lot from it, though. Like, you know, I feel like you learn something every time you get off stage, whether you bomb or you do great. I mean, that's the purpose of getting on stage is to learn something new from it. But it definitely is being with Vince and like having him in my ear telling me, you know, like, shit that not everybody hears like to just go into them crowds when it's small and like you know I've, I've, i don't know how to put it but i've just learned to work with smaller crowds just working with vince and watching him and taking his advice because there's so many people like i watch vince give advice that they don't apply it they like oh yeah, yeah that's great that's great and then we watch him go up and then nothing <laughs> and it's like you just wasted that man's breath and time like you're not going to get his respect, not listening. You know, I mean, he's not, you know, you don't have to do exactly what he does, but it's worth a try coming from somebody that's done it three decades, you know. And that's why Vince likes me so much, because I listen and I apply. And no, I mean, it, you know, it, it's like it's like life, though. It's like, you know, it's like it, it's kind of like, and I, God, I can't believe I'm going this way. But it's like being a father. You tell your son, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, whatever, dad. And he just goes about, you know, life. And all of a sudden. Whether it's maybe the next week or maybe 10 years, maybe like me, 20 years later, you go, hey, dad, you were right. You know what I mean? You kind of sheepishly come back. So maybe that's the deal with those people. You know, maybe they don't they don't apply. They think they're going to hard hit it and do it their way. But then eventually they go, huh. And then they'll try Vince's way. Maybe, maybe not even intentionally. Maybe it just comes organically and they go, huh, he was right. I mean, because yeah. there's nothing for us to gain. 
You know, I mean, we wouldn't give you bad advice for, on purpose. I mean, that, 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 that's silly. I mean, we want everybody to succeed, especially if so the advice he's going to give you. Now, sometimes it might not work for you. And you got to find out what works for you. But, yeah, nobody's going to give you bad advice. We're going to give you good advice. Like, hey, man, try this. I think it worked for you. Because, like I said, man, I want to see everybody succeed. You know, I want, right. I, want, I, want comedy, I want comedy everywhere. I want people to be working. I want to see that. But here's the deal. And you're too early on for this to happen, but and I know you say you want to work this and that and that, but there's gonna come a time where it's you gotta take that next step, otherwise you'll you'll plat, plateau in a way. Now are you ready for that or where do you wanna go with this though? Like 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 is your overall goal like hey, eventually maybe I wanna own my own comedy club or maybe do you wanna move to LA or New York or fuck it, maybe you move to Austin or do you wanna get in movies? Do you wanna act? I mean, eventually where you wanna go, because that's where I think I got sucked into the trap and I call it the stripper syndrome where like you start off doing this and you're where you're at now. You're having a good time. You're, you know, I said you're in Austin. You're living the dream with your boys and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, it's like a stripper when she's young. Everybody loves her because the titties are up here. You know what I mean? And she's, you know, everybody thinks she's funny because she's hot. And then after a while, man, you're like 35 and you're not getting the table dances like you used to. And all of a sudden, like the money's getting a little tough. You get gained a little bit of weight here and there. And then they want to see that 18 year old instead of a 35 year old. So then it's like, huh, the work gets a little harder. So where do you see yourself like eventually down the road or, or are you even looking that way? Are you even looking down the road that way? To be honest, I, I have been thinking about it and I'm a little clueless right now because I, I don't know where things are going to stand in Dayton with Dave opening his club. Well, because Chappelle's opening up live from Yellow Springs in Yellow Springs. And I, I mean, that could be huge. I mean, you know, that because that, that's going to bring a lot of people to Dayton, just like Rogan's club brought a lot of people to Austin. So I think it's going to grow our scene for now because i mean when i first started i wanted to be in la because i thought that was the spot for everybody you know the comics and stuff but like the older i get in my career the more i kind of want to stay where i'm at for right now and polish myself and work the road as much as i can and make as many connections as i can before i take that next step and if i need to move somewhere that's more somewhere like this or you know new york or whatever a bigger scene I man, honestly, I think this is the best time. I mean, I, I call it the new golden age of comedy. At least for me, to how I'm looking at it, because it's now where it used to be just all so much club centered. Now it's like you know you can do a, a night here at a at a bar, and it used to be a bar you ah bar show, but bar shows now aren't like they used to be. I mean, they're actually really good sometimes, and and the way it is now, you can get your own people and get your own crowd. You don't you don't really have to move. And now what Joe Rogan has done, and like you said, what Dave might do for the maybe the Midwest. And to be a comic of his caliber, to be where you're at, I mean, where to be, you know, to be in, in that Dayton area. And it's going to bring big people there because he's bringing, you know, big, like, what, Donnell Rollins moved there, didn't he? Yeah, Donnell lives there, too. So, man, I mean, I just think, yeah, now you can fly into L.A. maybe for a deal or whatever, whatever. But I just think the only place that can compare now to a Austin or maybe eventually the Dayton is probably New York. I still think New York still has the better comics per se. Just, yeah. I mean, everything that comes out of there is just so damn good. You know what I mean? We were talking about New York, the, the killers in New York, the scene in Austin. The killers in New York. I, think, I just think, yeah, I just for me personally, because I mean, New York gets those Boston comics that come down also. And just to me, just I just think New York to me, if, if I had to pick... I still say New York, but and I don't know what Austin's got though. But, you know, I mean, I've seen it on, like I said, I've seen you know the Kill Tonys and everything. But other than that, I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. They got know? some people down here. They definitely got some funny, funny people. And there's uh, they're already starting to pass like local comics at Joe's Club. Um, so sounding like what I was told, pretty much, if you are seen doing like two different hot five to seven minute sets, then they'll end up usually passing you and you'll get to work on the showcases in the bigger room. Nice, man. And now who, what, what big comics are there this week in, in, in the big room in mothership? Man, uh, I think Christina P's doing a show. Tom Segura's doing a show. Um, Adam Ray's here. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I gave Adam Ray a, 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 he was working Kokomo and he wrote with me. I picked him up and we, I, we went to Kokomo together. So yeah, he's cool I passed 
the street last night. I didn't say anything to him. He was talking on the phone, but yeah. I, you really don't know, man. It's like this, the special Chappelle shows. Like you just don't know who's there until you get on, get in the room. Have you been starstruck yet? Um, not, not particularly. I mean, being in that club kind of gives you a starstruck feel because like of just how well put together it is. I mean, in the lobby, there's the top of the top best comedy records, like framed everywhere. Murphy, Pryor, Kennison. I mean, Red Fox, anybody you could think of like all up there. And it's just cool, man. Every There's so many little details in that place that just you could spend an hour, hours in there looking around and explore. That's the most, I mean, that I'd say that's the most starstruck. Because we haven't seen anybody like, you know, huge. Uh, one of the dudes passed Theo on the street last night. Theo's in town. And uh, he was walking to his car and just ran into him. But uh, it's it, it's. Rogan's Club super secretive, so you don't know much about it. I mean, really? yeah, like secret, in, 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 a, in a way of in, in what way? Just like as soon as you walk in, your shit's locked up, like your phone's locked up. I about got kicked out as soon as right when I walked in because I had my phone with me going to the open mic and I'm videotaping like walking up the stairs, just the cool, I mean, entrance. Nobody said no phones or anything. And when I walked, I was videotaping like the room, panned the room when I walked in. And then a door guy came up and said, you have to delete that right now. Like, I have to watch you delete it. I was like, damn, OK, like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> wow. I did not for any of that. But that's cool. I mean, in a way, it's kind of cool, though. It, I, I like that. You know what I mean? It, it's freedom, man. And it, it, it people's involved in the show. They're not checking their phone or checking their watch and shit. You know, they're they're there or they're present. And they're laughing. You know, it's amazing to me. I mean, it makes sense, though. If you just really, you put the phone down for a while, how how your brain operates different. I mean, I've learned that just in the little time. Like, if I don't have my phone with me, first there's a, uh, and then there's like, you know what? I got a, I got a, you know, like a free thought or, or an original thought. I'm not engaged in this and what, you know what I mean? And yeah. I kind of like it that way, man. In a way, in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's just brilliant by him. So it's a secretive club. No one even knows who's there and this, this and that. And right. That, well, and the shows are labeled Joe Rogan and friends or Tony Hinchcliffe and friends, Christina P and friends. So it's just whoever pops in, man. I mean, Ron White pops in all the time, I guess. That would have been my starstruck. If I would have seen Ron White. That would have been my shit the bed. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Ron White. I, if you couldn't tell, growing up, I was huge in the blue collar comedy tour, like all them no. guys. No, you? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's uh, that's cool. Vince, Vince told me he used to open for Ron too back in the day. I opened up for all those guys. I worked with all those guys except um, ex- I never met Jeff Foxworthy. Mm. I met I met Bill. Or did I? I don't think I don't think I met Bill, but I I I opened up for um uh De, um Larry and Ron. I remember Ron when he was no offense, he had hair like yours. It was more curly on, on top. But yeah, he was a mess, man. And then and next thing you know, he cleaned up and now look at him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean him and but he and Larry the cable guy, no one tells better joke jokes than them. And they, they yep. can tell a joke joke. And yep. incredible. They don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, we just was talking about that the other night. Uh, the blue collar comedy said Larry had a joke. He said, "I've been seeing this girl, or I was seeing this girl for a couple of weeks, and someone stole my binoculars out of my truck." <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, but so fucking funny. It's old school, baby. It's old school, baby. <laughs> but that's what makes him great, though, man. People gravitate to him. You know what I mean? He's just yep. got that demeanor, that kind of just. I mean, when he <laughs> just goes tater salad, people just go crazy, mm-hmm. and it's great. You yep. know. I mean, God, he's a mega, mega millionaire now with all that cars stuff and doing Mater. And he's, also the, and, uh, the tequila also, right? The tequila? No, that's Ron. Okay, okay, okay. Ron okay. is number one tequila, I think. Oh. The, you think, okay, well, you got the weed coming out, so maybe you'll be a mega star then. <laughs> hey, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay. I'm so, excited. I got it. We're playing. We're doing like they have a, a race car driver named Buddy Burnswell, 
And like, I'm a, I'm coming in as like a Talladega Nights rival, like driver that's going to be talking shit to this dude and like trying to take his crown. You're going to fit that role so well. I mean, so, you really are. All you got to do is put a race suit on you and you just hold a race helmet and you look the part, bro. I'm getting a Dale Earnhardt jacket to wear. I already got dude, it. Dude. Yep. <laughs> you honestly, you look like NASCAR 1984, you yeah. know? Before black people came in and they go, ain't NASCAR ain't like what it used to be. You know what I mean? Code word for you know what I mean. But still, but yeah, you look like you look like NASCAR the good old days, darling, <laughs> darling to nineteen eighty six. You know what I mean? Smoking cigarettes, going around the track as you're in your car. Yeah, they I'm telling you, it's all awesome, God goddamn it. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's what you. You got some more matches. <laughs> You're smoking a Marlboro in Victory Circle. I tell you what, hey, that sound bitch hits me one more time going to turn three. It's going, hey, it's going to be some problems. You know what I mean? Uh, back to you, Chris. It's Chris Conamacki here. Why, why. <laughs> he put him in the wall. <laughs> hey, Tony Stewart was going to fight Jimmy Johnson. I just remember like the last of the before, you know, you could have a little whatever, whatever. And I remember the guy interviewed uh, Tony because uh, Jimmy Johnson was mad at him. He goes, well, he knows where to find me. And he was walking. I thought that was just the, the <laughs> greatest walk off drop mic moment. He was like, hey, how about Jimmy John? He said, you did this. He goes, he knows where to find me. And he just walked off. And that I thought cool. that, was, that was cool as shit, man. And I, it, you're going to fit that role so well. You I'm really excited. Are. Doing it Tuesday when I get back. Man, dude, you're fucking killing it, bro. Okay, so now, how about the personal life? You got anybody in your life, or are you just kind of freewheeling it? I'm, I'm freewheeling it right now, man. I've just, like, I've tried. I've dated a little. Like, I haven't gotten in a relationship, but I've went out a couple times, and, like, it's just hard with, like, what I'm trying to do right now just because, like, it's brought some, like, jealousy in a way like people I, I see a lot of people out that I know and people come up and say like hey to me and stuff and I have a girl with me and she's getting jealous like oh well you talking to her and this and this and that and it's like I don't need that in my life I don't have time for it good for, dude let me tell you something man it's like I'm glad you focused on this and take it. I, I don't know. Looking back on it, I don't know why I tried relationships that I knew that eventually weren't going to work. That was just a waste of time. Basically, as I look back on it, it just wasted my thing. I felt like I had to have some. I, I don't know. When you live on the road, sometimes you feel like you want that one thing that's solid, that's there. But if they're not on that same page, it's just going to drive a wedge. And, and then you'll be and the worst. If you, if you get somebody that you really kind of like, but she ain't really all the way in and you'll do something like you'll skip a gig or you'll skip not, or you like you won't say do an open mic, or whatever. You're like, ah, oh, she wants to do. And man, there is nothing worse than that. Whatever you do, just stay the course wrong. No, no woman is worth that. I don't care if she has a tattoo that says Mother Mary and the tattoo of Jesus here. Trust me, whatever you do, stay away from her, man. It, stay focused on where you're at now because it's eventually going to pay off even bigger dividends. And, and, you know, I think eventually the right one to come to you. And that sounds so metaphysical, but it's yeah. just the truth. Because otherwise, you're just going to be spinning your wheels trying to please a woman who's not going to be pleased. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's the jealousy thing, man, because you're getting more attention than them. And that's what it's going to boil down to. And then you're going to regret them. If you skip a gig, the worst is if you maybe skip, like you could have took a gig, you go, nah, I'm going to take the weekend off so I can be with her. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be someplace and you're going to be hating it. You're going to be eating dinner at a plate and and maybe you're double dating, which is worse. And you're talking to some dude, you have, you have no, you, you give less than a shit. And these two girls are talking and you're going, I, I fucking skipped the gig for this shit. And you're yeah. going to regret it. So whatever you do, man, don't do it. I mean, I'd rather you go to a massage parlor and do what you got to do than you know being in a relationship yeah i was head over heels for a girl for a minute we were talking for a while and the day that i met lunell um me and this chick was supposed to hang out like late way later in the evening and i text her like hey there's a big opportunity in front of me right now for my career like we need to postpone this like this is very important to me and she just hit me back with a k and it's like (laughs) all right (laughs) see you bye like they don't they don't get it bro they don't get it i mean yeah, it's it's hard. That's the thing about this business. People understand to find somebody. Else. I mean, that's why I like Tom Segura and and Kish, Christina P. Man, God bless them too, because they're in the same business. They they understand. I mean, yeah. They, yeah. they they might be at that point in their life where like if they want to go out and then something happens career wise, and Tom's like, I gotta have a meeting with this person. I think she would understand, and that's the only time we're going out with somebody in the business they understand. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 
But but you need that. You but well, you want that little bit of something that's like there. You know what I mean? Because it does get lonely after a while. You can only hang out for so long and come in drunk or whatever. You know, for so long before you got that. You want that somebody you can talk to on the phone or just something. Just that. Just that little bit of a foundation. You know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. But I mean, I'd rather be lonely than heartbroken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude, exactly, man. Exactly, because nothing is worse than being in a relationship you don't want to be in, and you're you're forcing to hold hands, or or like you said in the front row with that woman like this, and the dudes are ready to go when she's like this. Man, mm. fuck her, man. She ain't worth it to me. Yeah. If a woman ain't laughing or or get it, then it's not really. Well, I don't care how fine they are; they're not worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but man, it does get lonely though, brother. It does. Get, you ever Tinder date on the road? You ever Tinder date? Like, you know, you, <laughs> set, your, yeah. you, set, you set your location and they come see it. You ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I haven't done it to like go out and like just specific, like get a piece of ass, but it's been like meet new people in different areas. Like, well, I, I didn't say that. You said that. I mean, you're, you, if I was a lawyer right now, you'd be incriminating yourself. You'd be like, I'd be no, like, myself yeah yeah <laughs> you said too much i mean shut the fuck up man. you're going to jail <laughs> <That's what you're doing. laughs> don't don't say too much i just said tinder date that's all i said you know somebody you can yeah. go you know i like go yeah. lunch that you can talk to somebody you know what i mean i mean yeah. seriously yeah piece of ass is a piece of ass but sometimes you just somebody you talk to but there i tell you what this, the most dangerous thing if ever you'll meet is if she's hot but she's funny and sarcastic, mm. man. You meet that, you might be in trouble, bro. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a tough one. Or, or who knows? Maybe some. Uh, you ever go to blackplanet.com and you know have a black girl come out to the club? You ever, do, you ever do that? <laughs> can you repeat that so I can write that down? Blackplanet.com. You don't go to Black Planet. You'd be perfect. I bet your DM. You, how many DMs do you get from black girls? I mean, how many DMs? A couple, not no ridiculous amount, but a couple. <laughs> What the fuck is blackplanet.com? It's a dating site. It's a dating site for black. Some of you for just black people, but then white girls come on and black people get mad. It's the greatest shit in the world. It's like black, it's for dating site for black people, but then white people get on and black people, it's for black people. And then the white girls come on and they, their DMs get filled up. <laughs> it's the greatest shit in the world. You got to go to black. After we get up here, I, I guarantee you, white, white's going to fill out a fucking profile. Hey, by the way, I do comedy. Don't let the hair fool you. I do comedy <laughs> and I'm down. <laughs> That's hilarious. You should do that. Go to Black Planet. I'm surprised I haven't told you about that, man. You should. I think I think you do well there. I think you do well, bro. I want to cancel Farmers Only and go over there. <laughs> hey, maybe we start a new website called Black Farmers Only. What? Oh, damn. Who wants to say the Black Farmer? What? Do that, bro. Just you know, narrow it down. You know, and you, and you get so specific. Black, you get into blackfarmersonly.com. Oh man, why it be fucking bad? Come on, man. This dude right here, shh, killing it, killing it, killing it. Good man, I want to get you, I want to get you at my show soon. I want to I want to get it to work out, man. I know you're a busy, man, on your cruise ships and stuff and running around, but. No, I, I mean, I would love it. What night is it? He said it's a Wednesday, though, right? Wednesday. That's the rough part about it at eight. The only thing I think, yeah, Wednesday, I go to acting class. I'm not on a ship, but I'm on acting class. But, man, if we could work something out. Yeah. I could, I could, nice. I could you can ride the bike. That'll be perfect. Do hell yeah. Unless it's snow, I will ride the goddamn bike. Yeah. And if I, and I got to get that uh, ticket fixed in Ohio. Otherwise, I'd be going to jail if they run my plate. So, <laughs> yeah, I got to do that. But then, yeah, I would definitely love to do it, man. Um, Let's work out a Wednesday date. Yeah. And uh, come down and, man, you kill that motherfucker, man. Yeah. I'd love to, you know? For I'd sure. Huh? Um, I'll actually throw you a day. Maybe we can work some. I got Vince coming. I think it's August or something like that. Yeah. Maybe we could do a double. I don't want to work with that motherfucker, man. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not working with that motherfucker. I don't like. I, yeah, I don't. Come on, man. He's going to be making me. Did he ever tell you about the time we were going to... Uh, uh, we were working together and we were in the car and I was playing all the heavy shit. I was playing like Motley Crue and Mo and uh, Motorhead. We literally stopped on the side of the road in New in New York, upstate New York. We literally pulled the car over, pitch black dark on on access road. And he goes, "I love you, bud, but I can't." And he gets out of the car and gets another car. And and the other guy got in the car with me because he couldn't take. I was listening to metal because my philosophy is if I'm driving, it's my music. 
So, I mean, I made him just a motorhead. I mean, Judas Priest, all the hard shit. I mean, because black people can, they, they'll lie. They'll listen to like Journey and shit. They like that. But man, I was just shit like you go, and, and he was like, no, I, I can't. And so, yeah. So I, I made him listen to that. And, and to this day, it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, I remember you telling that when you put on country music. He's like, "Come on, bro, man." We drove, and I'm telling this to, to the. I'm telling this to Nikolai. Nikolai is, is my Russian sound dude. And we think he's a spy, but it, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> we drove two hours. Me and Vincent say nothing. Two hours. I'm listening to rock and roll. He sleeps. We stop. Gets gas. He goes in. He goes. You need anything? I know I'm good. And that was the only thing we said. We get to this town where the gig is. I turn to country music, and he wakes up and goes, "Come on, man." And that was it. Come on, man. And that was it. The greatest story ever. <laughs> that was the greatest story. But the look, but the, no Vince, too. But the look on his face. Come on, man. All right, got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Who do you who do you emulate yourself on stage? Who do you like to be? I mean, who do you like look up to comedy wise now? I mean, like, if, if I always say the big comics, but who do you look up to now? Um, I mean, obviously Vince is on top of my list just because I'm around him so much and he influence. I mean, there's a lot of time, like not a lot, but sometimes on stage I'll say something riffing and it's like, well, that's Vince coming out of me. Like, <laughs> you know, I need to work on that a little bit. Or, um, definitely him. Um, I like Shane Gillis a lot. We went and seen him Thursday before we came down here. How was he? Incredible. I do murder. He came here. I was so disappointed. I think I was in town before I left. That Saturday night. I think he was here in Indy. Uh, he came to CTI. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I could have went, but I didn't. And somebody and somebody posted the pictures. I go, God damn it! I love. I think he's, he's my new favorite. He's yeah. my new favorite. He, my buddy, works at the Taft Theater in Cincinnati, and he got us these nice balcony seats, and we were right up on it. It was Shane murder. His opener murdered Muhammad Weinstein. I think's his name. Yeah. He's a Muslim Jewish dude. Incredible. I mean, he had an incredible set. And Shane murdered. Mopped the fuck up. Yeah, he's funny, man. He though, If you ever get a chance, listen to the podcast with him and Louis C.K. when they talk about history. It's on YouTube. It's like four parts. Uh -huh. And it, it's the greatest history lesson you never got. It's the history lesson you should have had in school because it's funny and informative. And it's just, it's great. If you get a chance, listen to that, man. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, you should, bro. You should. What have you learned from working with like like big big names? Like I know you working with Guy Tory, Linnell. Linnell's shooting her hour special. What do you learn from opening up for people like that? Like what difference? You know, when they come in, you know, when people come in from like from L.A. or New York, what difference you know is noticed from them than you do people who like maybe your Midwestern opener or whatever? Or because <laughs> Linnell, that woman definitely has a fan base, so they don't give a shit about me usually. Like when I open for. I like, uh, it's her, her crowds want to see her. Like I'll, I'll have a decent set, but it's like, all right, white boy. Like we came to see, <laughs> we came to see the bad girl, like get her up here. Um, learning from that though. Like I'm definitely looking forward to open up for some more so I can tread waters differently and try different things to help me out on that. Guys rooms are great. I love working with guy. Guy's very personable and very um, helpful. Like, he'll help me, like, with tags and stuff. Like, you know, write shit down for me. He actually listens to every set that I do. He sits in the back of the room, and he'll watch me and uh, treats me really well. I haven't had anybody that's been really a dickhead, like, that I've worked with. Everybody's been nice to me and uh, helpful. Some nicer than others, obviously, but... Uh, it's been great. Craig Robinson, I hosted with him. He was, he was in, incredible. Yeah, he's great. Don't you love Craig? He's I, to me, he's like that. When you leave his show, you have a smile on your face, and it, you walk out going, "That was a good time, right?" So what I looked at it, it's not stand up, but it's a beautiful form of stand up that is just entertaining uh, as hell. It's a great. You walk out going, "Damn, that was fun, right?" Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. But dude, we did I, yeah. five sold out shows and they were just every show's energy were was unreal and he brought it you know it is they get on stage they sing and then they, and he's on the keyboard and he just makes it funny and there's yeah. it's just the way you people walk out with a smile on their face and they just go man that was good 
Yeah. That was good. I, yeah, I like Craig. Love Craig's always been good, man. But what's been cool lately, man, I, I got to do them two spots with Dave Attell and he liked me a lot and both times brought me up to riff with him at, at the end of the show. And that was very nerve wracking because I don't like I, I haven't put myself in those open waters, you know, to go riff. And he forced me into it and it was nice. And like he was telling me I did a good job and stuff like Dave is he's the, the king comic I've been around. He's the king. I mean, honestly, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love CK. I love Chappelle. But man, to me, the one they don't talk about, or they do actually, it's just David Tell is just to me the best joke writer there is out there. He's Incredible. the best. Any time on stage, it's set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline, like all of them from left field. You never know what's coming. He's the best. He's that old school boxer that can knock out a new school dude. You know, that new school, it's storytelling, it's cool. But Dave's like, bam, jab. But then all of a sudden, where'd that punch come from? Bam. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. He's just the best to watch. And he is gut laughing. I mean, it comes from the gut when you laugh yeah. at him, man. Still, I still think when, I, you know, there was a time when comedy was, you know, they it was when it was called um, alternative comedy, whatever. And I was like, okay, this is what's. Okay, this, okay, okay, whatever. I'm trying to wrap myself around. This is what people think is funny. Okay, okay. But then I would watch a tale and go, okay, that's still funny. Okay, that's still, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, okay, okay. Now, that's still the funniest part. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. yeah. I love Dave. Are you going to take any, like, improv class or anything to improve that part I of your did. game? Before, before COVID, I took improv right before COVID happened, and we got to do level one and then did our level one show to perform. And then right as level two started, COVID hit. And then it was just bullshit stuff at the club, like the 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 theater that like you had to be vaccinated and wear a mask and do this and do that. Like, and it just ran some people away. Like some of us didn't go back, but it's definitely something I'd be interested in getting back into because it is a different skill set and helpful. It was, I, I thought it would really help my comedy, but it was completely different than stand-up. So yes. I think continuing in it would help me learn what to take from that and use in my stand-up and vice versa. I think it'd help you keep going. Like, you know, there's a point when you tell a joke and it ends and, you, you know, it's part of your act. But then I've learned, like, sometimes if you get sick of that joke whatever, take it a little step further. Maybe ask a question you don't normally ask from that joke and take it you know, that little step further and see where it goes, you know, yeah. walk, walk, walk without a net and see how that works. And yeah. then that way, I think that innate comedy, uh, comedian in you, it'll, it'll work that muscle that you don't work that, you know what I mean? That you don't work as often. And then that'll make you find another punchline or make you go a different way. And that's, what's beautiful yeah. about this business, man, is that they're all from stand up, a, a great stand up not, does not necessarily make a great improv person, but, and that's why you respect them, you know, an improv person doesn't actually make a great comedic actor. But I think those are kind of hand in hand in a way. I don't know if Will, uh, Will Smith, I don't know if Will, Will, um, Will Ferrell will be a great stand up. It'd be interesting to see how he could take that and, and see what he can do with it. But I, as far as great stand up, I don't know if he'd be a great stand up, but he's interesting to see, you know what Right, I mean? right. So yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so before we get here, what's your writing process, bro? Writing pro, like how do you write? I just, I, I, I mean, I let stuff, I've been, I don't know how I write, man. I, I've always just let stuff kind of come to me and then I'll jot an idea down and then work it over in my head. Like, you know, I'll have the premise of the idea down and then just work it over my head. I've tried sitting down and like, physically writing jokes and I, my head gets so far ahead of myself that I forget where I'm at in my writing versus where I want the joke to go. And then it goes several different ways. And it's been very confusing on that. So like I've had writer's block for a little while now, which I've wrote a couple of things here and there, but not as much as I should. And I, I, that's something I really want to work on and uh, dive into because that's definitely a, a weak point in my career is writing like right now just coming up with new shit like my shit what i have right now is semi-polished i mean it still always can improve but i want to start writing for that headliner spot and like filling my time and i've got i've got myself into a convert my sets of conversation now which was what i've been wanting you know yeah. and i have like four or five different chunk segments of like 
about my hair and then my my job at FedEx and then my dating life and then doing comedy. And it's like I've gotten bits that have been able to come together to piece into a conversation. And uh, that's what I like. I want to. I don't know. I want to fill gaps in that, if that makes sense. And my writing, like I've tried listening to music, different kinds of music and or going out in public and with stuff. But I feel like my the best I can write is with somebody and like bounce ideas. Bounce ideas is the best, man. Uh, or, you know, you got your phone. Maybe, you know, use the recorder, talking to the recorder. Yeah. You know, record your sets. To, little thing, whatever it takes, I think is the best for me. It's always longhand. I always got to go longhand and it gets on stage and it always condenses. You know, I, I'm still to the point. I st- I'm better. I'm better now, but I still don't like too much of a silence. I think it's great because it shows they're listening, but still, I like to feel that gap. You know what I mean? Like, I write it longhand, and then it gets on stage, it gets like this, but then I, when I go over it, I can say, man, I, I don't know why I don't keep saying this line. This line's funny. And then you kind of, you know, it's it's cool, that little molding process. That's the beauty of the arts, man, is to do that. I know it sounds all medical, physical, like I said, but I think that's the beauty of it is molding a bit until you go, yes. And it's and it's never really all the way done, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just had that uh, with like uh, a, a joke that I wrote that's been really like doing well and I've been able to, combine like four jokes into this one joke and make it like it seems like a real story that happened but it's it's just a bit that just it's four different jokes I had separate that I've been able to figure out how to make it into one little story and it's it's been crushing like it's really been doing good Man, good for you. I could tell by the smile on your face, bro. I'm happy for you, man. I mean it from the bottom of Wyatt. You're killing it, bro. I just think, like I said, man, maybe because I know you, and it just seems like, man, you're just going in a nice ride, and it's great to see you enjoying it. You realize, you know, you're grateful for it, and you're on a – I, I, I want to see where it takes you. You know, I mean, it's taking you great places now, but I want to see how far you can take this. I mean, that's the beauty of watching you rise. And I mean, yeah, from the bottom of got a heart, long bro. friendship ahead of us, man. I, I can't wait to actually get to work with you soon. That one date, you know – I got sick. We couldn't work, but... Uh, yeah, that's right. We were supposed to work. You made me go to Fort Wayne by myself, you motherfucker. I was looking forward to working with you, and then... I was, you, and I was like, God damn it. And then I was there by myself. No offense to the... I hope he didn't watch it, but the dude I was working, I was like, ah. Oh. I mean, I was in the back going, God damn it. And I was like... I literally went to my car and waited, and then like, and Mike hit me. He goes, hey, are you around? I go, yeah. And then... <laughs> He goes, okay, well, uh, he's almost done. Okay. And then like, I literally walked in. Like, they almost had to wait for me. That, yeah. I mean, I love the guy. I don't know. But I loved him. But it's like, you know, I was, I was wanting to work with you. I was like, oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to working with you, brother. But, man, much success to you, brother. Kill it in Austin. Much Hopefully, we'll work together. And I mean, if I'm about anything you want to plug before we get out of here. Oh, man. Uh, I don't have a username for my Black Planet account. Uh, <laughs> Good looking black women out there. Holler at your boy. <laughs> that Jerry Curl 69. <laughs> How about white Jerry Curl 69? White Jerry Curl 69 on Black Planet. Yeah. Look him up, ladies. Look him up. He's all the way live. <laughs> yeah. It's my man, White Lutz. Check him out on TikTok. Check him out on YouTube. He's got his own YouTube channel. And check him out on Instagram. You're going to love him, I swear. White Lutz, thank you so much, man, for stopping in. I mean it from the bottom of my heart, brother. Much success. Thank you guys for watching. I'm BT with Tales from a Gemini. You know how we do about this time. You know the word. Peace. Peace. Much love, man. Thank you.